0: after three season three episodes oh yeah it seemed like the creators couldn't miss oh yeah but the season needed to reach an equilibrium oh yeah it's time for a reversion to the meme
1: hello and welcome to The Rules of Acquisition podcast, where we will be going through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. I didn't mean to sing that right now, but hey, that's apt for this greatest show with the shittiest music (laughs) of the future. I don't know. Um, Yeah. (laughs) With me, as always, is James Nolan.
2: Hey, guys. And Hugh Crawford. Hello, gentlemen. How are we doing?
1: I'm doing good. Yeah, my name is Wade Bowen. Doing good. Yeah, so now we're talking about an episode called Equilibrium. Yes, oh, that's right. Not that's right. to be confused with the movie about something. I don't know. there a movie coming?
2: I don't know what that... Yeah, there is, and I don't know what it's about. Uh, our Equilibrium...
1: It's some stupid future, like, badass... Or, oh,
3: wait, or yes, the... Whoa, 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 The Christian Bale, Tay Diggs, Matrix ripoff oh,
1: movie? the Gun-Fu movie.
3: Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I knew
1: I knew that movie. Yeah, it was some. Hey, man, say what you will about Star Trek. i.e. I mean that it's awesome, but huh. their vision of the future is not. It's not all. Like Trench Coats. Yeah, and, there was a lot of those movies. Matrix. There
3: was the one with Jet Li. There was others. Oh, there was a lot of great ones. We sh- I should watch all of those one night. Okay. Watch all of those <laughs> Matrix ripoff movies. I bet that's fun to watch drunk. <laughs> but anyway, okay. Yeah, so Equilibrium
2: uh, originally aired October 17th, 1994. The uh, It is number four, episode four in season three. And uh, the IMDb description is as follows. The Trill homeworld is the setting as Cisco and Bashir take Jadzia home for treatment when she begins experiencing hallucinations after playing a tune she can't recall. Guys, I don't like Trills.
3: And <laughs> this
2: yeah, I this got- episode had me wondering if I like Star Trek at all. Really?
3: I gotta say, I think I like earlier, a few weeks ago, I name-checked this as an episode I remember liking. And I wanna apologize for that.
1: <laughs> oh, y'all didn't like this one, huh? <laughs> uh, uh,
3: no, okay, okay. I would I'm gonna blow my wad here. Well you you got an opinion first and then I'm no, gonna
1: go, uh, blow, blow your blow your wad I'll, I'm gonna I'll, bl- I'll, try to, I'll try to mop it up afterwards. Uh, okay,
3: I'm gonna blow my wad on this. I um I watched it twice and then I went my, my routine is to watch it twice and then to go read on Memory Alpha the sort of origin of how the episode was made. And there's a lot of good information you rip you know, on there. And so I went there this episode and the origin story of this made me almost pee my pants <laughs> like I was laughing I was laughing I I uh I haven't laughed in, a, in about a week
1: <laughs> uh and uh, it's like I, 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 uh, I don't know why that would be we've had weeks and weeks to cry at this point
3: <laughs> yes that's true well uh, after filming this uh, I haven't cry, I have laughed in about a week and I laughed for an hour okay so the origin story of this movie is uh, or of this episode is as follows Michael Piller went to go see a magician by the name of Jeff McBride, who is in this episode as Joron. Yeah, it's all Joron, about- Jeff McBride does a routine where he pulls masks off to leave a mask underneath. He rips them, and then there's a mask underneath, and that's his magic routine. And Michael Piller was so moved by this performance and and Jeff McBride that he went and told his staff to write an episode based around this guy's magic routine.
1: Oh my god, you're blowing my mind. You mean those are all practical <laughs> effects? <laughs>
3: those are practical effects that you're seeing. Just one shot
1: one take and he didn't There's no cuts?
3: He played I think he played every masked man uh, and I, I, he played Joron Balar too. Well, Whoopty shit. Yes. He told them to write it last season. And it didn't work. And uh, it didn't work. (laughs) And even though he's not on the show this year, they still had to process it. Uh, This one is actually written by Rene. I'm going to this. I'm going to butcher his name. Eshavaria. Yeah, yeah, that sounds
1: right.
3: Eshavaria. Renee Eshavaria, who's a big who's moved on. I mean, he's one of the great writers of Star Trek. And he's now uh, like he does real shows like. I don't know. He's he's a worker. He's like Brandon Braga and Ronald D. Moore. They're still working. Mm-hmm. So um, he started the sh- he created the show The Forty Four Hundred, which I never watched or know anything about, but it's popular in Star Trek circles. Uh, okay. So Is that he...
1: about the Jehovah's Witnesses.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Maybe I think there may be a Jehovah's Witness component to it. <laughs> but anyway, so he wrote the first script and they rejected that, and then Ronald D. Moore wrote a script. Eventually, it was a Renee Ashavaria script. Eventually. But um, it is a fucking mess, man. And like, it was all like the whole time. Michael Pillar was like, "It's got to have the masks. It's got to have the masks ripping off the masks." So that was <laughs> I, uh, that was I, what I it,
1: this guy for the magic trick, man.
3: <laughs> I, this this one has it, it has
1: its faults. I'll say that. But I will say, <sighs> and this is hey, and listen, to everybody. Not all of us are on the same boat. But I will say, one of the the fault of this episode is not. Terry Farrell's acting. Oh, I yes. think she actually does the best acting that she's done so far in this. <laughs> okay, episode. okay,
3: I'll accept that. I thought you were going to say the best acting of the episode, uh, and I was going to say that she was nominally better than Jordan Bilar, but no.
1: I thought she was like no, I was best. Yeah, no, I, I'll say I'm best
2: co-sign act. on that. I, I don't think I had no problem with her performance.
1: I think she was actually re- good. She was actually I, really good yeah, in this episode. I this concur. is this is the be- like her performances don't sound her. Reading her line readings or everything, nothing sounds hollow like her re- lines sometimes can. From her, I
3: thought guys don't fall
2: Felt like there was the normalization
3: something. of Terry Farrell's acting. Okay, no,
2: no, I'm serious. <laughs> I'm serious, man. I'm not. Well, here's the thing. What, did,
3: but
1: like, I, like I, she, she, she is markedly different. She yes than she has been in any other show, and, and I think it's well, probably she's lived in the part. She's probably had some good coaching from sure. From Avery Brooks, I bet is probably tried to take her under. I don't know he's a great yeah. drama teacher from all accounts.
2: Yeah. Well, what what happens is all Star Trek, starting all the way back to the original, you're able to see some weird character algebra. And I've talked about this before. Like whenever Spock gets taken over by like spores and behaves differently, mm-hmm. you're able to see you know Leonard Nimoy and how you know his range. Yeah and whenever you know when data lower, is yeah. is at, you know yes yeah, plays lore you get to see some range you get to subtract the character and add the actor's ability and i think we get a little bit of that here where she actually is able to muster in some of the early scenes a real sense of menacing anger right which i don't that's sort of believable it's yeah you know, which
1: so, i don't think that's like anything that comes naturally to Terry sure. Cheryl. From all accounts, she's super nice, and I do like that. <laughs> you, were, you, were, I, I mean, you
3: said menacing, and I don't. I don't disagree. I mean, I think that that's some interesting stuff going on in that, just as a character work. <laughs> I think that it's kind of interesting that they they chose to like to. I don't. To use a alt right term,
1: hey, that's the world we live in, man. Yeah,
3: yeah, that's the world we live in. They kind of what? They kind of betaed her. They kind of turned her into a beta. Where generally she she's so above it all and sort of calm and you know and placid. And this one, she's not only troubled, but she's constantly sort of like the scene with Avery Brooks early on uh, when they're playing chess. Oh right. He's so like uh, towering over her in a way that like they've they've never had that scene either. He's been weak or they've been co equals yeah. in those sort of private scenes. But this was the only time where he sort of like overpowered her with Avery Brooksiedness. and I, I mean I don't think that was an accident of direction. I think that that was you know that was a good that was a good thing to show that she was just off her game. Yeah. Well, uh, I, my general feeling with Terry Farrell is that sometimes the script calls you to go for a 10. Sometimes it calls you to go for an 8. Sometimes it goes, you know. But hers is just power. She's got a range somewhere between 3 and 6. So in this, I... Well, see, now,
2: I, 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 think, I, see, I think that this, she she was pretty well-tempered with it. You know, she wasn't yeah. chewing up scenery. Oh, I anything. totally agree with that.
3: Yeah, no, no. And I don't want to compare her to, like, let's say, early season 1 Kira, who was going to 11 in a lot of scenes that didn't require an 11. <laughs> right, but, yeah. I like the that's early Kira is like somebody would just be she would just
2: like answer a call on a vid screen and she's like somebody's on the you <laughs> Right. 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 Commander, it's for you, you know. It's okay. like oh, okay, calm right. down. Yeah.
1: the thing I noticed about oh, this is a real character episode where we're gonna explore a character and especially starting in this season when they wanna really give somebody a big character chewing like this is what about your character's growth episode. They just turn them into teenage angsty angry teenagers. <laughs> they did it with Odo in the search, and then that's kind of what they do here with Jedzia as yeah, well. You know what? I think she delivers with a plum. I think she does a good job. And I I, I said like five times, I think. No, I think we finally turned the corner here. I think I think she's fine now, but
3: Okay. I mean I think she's as good as her scene partner. And I think this is I think she's fine in this episode. I don't think she's the problem with this episode. I think that she may have could have made the episode let's say if we're cruising at like a six on this episode. I'm God, I'm using the same note. But let's just say we're in a mediocre, we're at a sea C-
1: She's a solid six.
3: <laughs> this is a C plus <laughs> shut, shut up fives and ten is talking <laughs> no. <laughs> no so she's said she's said like like this episode is like a c plus episode and i think like if she was re- a renee aubergenois good she could have moved it up to a seven and a half see that's oh, that's all right i'm sorry i missed my I think, I think the problem is not with her
1: yeah I think, like i, I think I, her acting is on par I think she's no. That's th- as good as the base level of all the really great actors that we have on the show.
3: Yeah, I, I don't think she's given much I think
2: she's, to work with to like
3: elevate. I agree show. with that. I, the problems, I mean, yeah. I, I'm saying that the problems are, are not in her control, but she could have elevated it. And, and I
1: think she, I think she does. I don't think there's anything her acting could have brought to this that she didn't. Read. I think she does. Okay. I think she does a great job in this one. Oh, no, no, that's but, fine. I mean, that's, that's I fine. fine. I'm not gonna. Happen. I don't know. I wish mean, she's as she's as good as she's been. So I, I don't know what to compare her to, but yeah,
3: you're she carries right. Carrie's she we can all say this the, is probably her finest performance on the show <laughs> so far. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah well, yes. we can we can at least yes, yeah. And finally, is this the first Dax Center episode where they actually let her do the acting? No, usually she's comatose. No, I think
2: they had one more one more before where we were kind of surprised at how how much she. got Oh, acting. the
3: what the the,
1: nah, the that the, was the because
3: the shitty cousin the Oliver sh- episode. Yeah, the, yes, Cousin Oliver. The shitty, um, what was that called?
1: Arjun. Uh, playing God.
3: Yes. It was Cousin Oliver, Plain yes. Playing God, yeah. I know what you're talking about.
1: Playing God, yeah. She's better than in that.
3: No,
2: this is a good enough performance that I'm sure somebody who was, like, writing the show Bible for Becker, it was supposed for the TV. <laughs> it probably turns him.
3: heads. We need to steal this girl from this show. All
2: right. So, uh, moving along to, and <laughs> actually, yeah, maybe you could take over from here, Wade, because I'm not entirely sure... What exactly happened to that? Yeah,
1: yeah well, the 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 cold open is also kind of sets up a little bit of what we know about Cisco, and it, he's cooking dinner for everybody. It's like everybody hanging out, being friends, and they're making a souffle, a green souffle, a green souffle. <laughs> and then Odo is like a, I mean, I know it's they're playing it for comic relief with him stirring, and, mm-hmm. and then Kira, it like he looks like a child with problems <laughs> that's all I'll say yes.
2: <laughs> are you saying that Odo's on the spec
1: <laughs> I'm not, I don't I'm just I, I'll leave it at that like he's he's pretty goofy let's just put it that way and Kira thinks he's cute yeah. She says that, and right. it's like, okay. Julian hates beats. Yes. <laughs> uh, O'Brien loves them, or something. No, I don't know. No, no, no.
3: O'Brien is not in this episode He's at all. He's
1: off doing a sensor relay. Oh yeah, He yeah. was like, He's... if you don't
3: want to honor my contract by giving me a line in this episode, yes.
1: totally <laughs> that's totally fine. That's okay. I don't need. It. He's doing something with a sensor relay online and in the upper polons. Yeah. No, no, that's what Dax was doing. That's right. Yeah, I watched this episode yesterday. It's not as clear. So she's getting the sensor relay online and out my all the time when when she said that. I was like, wait a minute. Isn't that O'Brien's job? But whatever. Yeah. And then, then she finds a Batleth keytar. <laughs> um.
3: A Casio a Batleth keytar. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then finds a stupid song. And
3: she proceeds to play like either a rock set ballad or possibly on later Richard Mark's work. But <laughs> yeah. like something that was very adult contemporary synth line.
1: Right, which just goes to show, just reiterates my point that in the future, music sucks. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yes. all these composers play yeah yes <laughs> you know and it makes me appreciate fucking uh beastie boys almost. yeah I mean, and yeah and, the, and there's oh movies. oh oh
3: and the, i was like I, uh, this makes me appreciate <laughs> the beastie boys too i don't understand how but oh i get it from the yeah, last the and yes yeah, so, jj yeah. track movie okay yes the they're, last Kelvin. They're
1: all three of them, the Beastie Boys. That is true, the Kelvin. They're in every Kelvin movie, but whatever. Sorry, Sorry to make you remember those exist. Uh, You're some more hateful nerds out there. Wait, wait, uh, we're,
3: we're Kelvin friendly, aren't we? We're a Kelvin friendly.
1: We are, but yeah. but there's some. There's probably at least one. At least one listener to the podcast now. And like, if
3: that's the case, you should definitely give us a call <laughs>
2: yes. and, and voice yes. your
3: dissent about the Kelvin. Ca- yeah, yes. yeah. We are a Kelvin friendly anti Voyager podcast. So it, that we, we no 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 no. no, 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 no. I'm no, saying no. it. We're anti Voyager. No, no, no. Janeway.
2: <laughs> no, I am not. I am not anti Voyager in the Juk- least. I am pro Voyager. I am can to- lick my chode. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm the only yes. one who's seen every episode. You're of You're totally right. I can't get through
1: that. I remember. Yes. So Voyager has its strong points. Okay, I think it has. I got
2: us on a sort of digression. Yeah. I'm sorry.
1: There's there are good things about it.
2: Okay. Sure. Well, where were we? Where <laughs> were we in the plot? Okay, so we got past. Oh, she turns out that she has a mild freakout because she doesn't. She's never played the guitar batlet <laughs> well and all of a sudden she's Amadeus next. <laughs> <Yes.
1: laughs> yeah, if the song's twinkle twinkle, there's a well. But so, yeah, she can't remember the where the song and, and none of her other hosts were musicians. So it's And weird. the
3: mystery of that is the end of her gold open. Yeah. <laughs> so it draws you right in. Oh <laughs> yep. Uh, so then the, then you have like several scenes of, of Dax going through her day, being moody. Being moody Uncharacteristically moody and like antagonistic.
1: Yeah, they're playing chess. Yeah,
3: and she's constantly humming the Richard Marks song.
1: He's like, "Yeah, do, do you mind?" Yeah.
3: Yes. Uh, and and it, there's several nice scenes. You're right. She pisses off Cisco. And then she she pisses off Kira. Oh, right. It's got a nice little progression, and I think she ends up pissing off Bashir, right? I don't know. I just thought
2: it was cute when she threatened Kira. Kira has killed many naked Cardassians (laughs) (laughs) as a child. And and I don't think Dax would be that big of a deal for her, really. Yeah. So it was kind of cute that she just kind of, like, you know, humored her a little
3: bit. She's got the lifetimes of seven well, born. You know,
1: <laughs> we've seen we've seen her fight with a Batleth. Yes, and then well, and then on the way to Kira, or just after the Kira fight, O'Brien might not be in this episode at all. But Court gets his one line of the whole episode, oh, yes. where he had to sit in makeup for four hours to come out and bump into her and say, "Is there something <laughs> wrong, Lieutenant?" Yes, and she's like, huh. "I'm pretty
2: sure Dax sent." Uh, O'Brien, in an angry working uh, <laughs>
3: before,
2: before she went off on somebody else, <laughs>
3: yeah. or just that terse. Yeah, Armin- I don't need, do not CC me on this group, to, on this group email right. anymore. <laughs> okay,
1: he's gonna come back next episode bitching about some security thing he had to do because they couldn't send Odo or something. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yes, uh, so but,
1: yeah, poor Armin Shimmerman had to sit in makeup for four hours to say one line. Yes,
3: yes. Because he's, uh, he's going to get his work done. And he probably never complained. Yeah, I'm sure he didn't. Shimmerman, he seems like Shimmerman, he seems like a hell of a guy. Yeah. So, uh...
1: Darius Dax, fifth host.
2: Yeah. They need to go see her primary character. Yes. But they, they need to, like... Yes. They need to go see his, you know, Bashir's out of his depth with the symbiote, Trill physiology. Yeah. And so they have to go back to her, like, pediatrician. Yes.
3: Because Bashir sets so, up a, the B subplot of this episode is a mystery of isobromine levels and what raises or lowers them.
1: <laughs> Iso or isoboramine. Isoboramine. Yeah, because they happens- talk about
3: isoboramine. Oh, fuck, done. So much.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah, but, it is. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, So
3: that to get her uh, isoboramine levels stable, they gotta take they gotta take the Defiant out. Yeah, and uh, the captain of or the. Commander of the space station in the front line of the Dominion, the newly started Dominion War, goes on a holiday to, like, to, uh, to okay. go get some medical records. We, yes,
2: that that's what bugged me the most, is that whenever a captain, or a commander in this case, has a deep personal issue, and this almost always happens, I mean... Kirk went to the planet Vulcan whenever mm-hmm. Spock went through Pond Far, Yeah. I mean, every, every episode, every series, there's an episode where, you know, the whole crew is dragged away because of one individual's well-being. Mm-hmm. They're still really close to the responsibility. So, like, if there's a problem on Vulcan, Kirk could bring up to the an Enterprise and attend to, like, the ship's business. Yes. Yeah. He just left. <laughs> and, like, I'm sure, like, he could have monitored Right, the <laughs> They've got duties. Yeah. He could have monitored the situation from, like, a phone call or a work email. Like, Bashir could have sent him an email yeah. explaining what, you know, the updates. But he gets on and, you know, he, he can't do He's literally just going to sit in a waiting room. <laughs> like This was the most baffling. If
1: this is going to be an issue for you, Hugh, we've got, like, Four more seasons of this. <laughs> yeah, the of
2: the <laughs> this is before
1: they figured out this is this, not art television. This is not prestige television where the, everything <laughs> makes sense from one episode to another. Not quite there yet. Right. Or somewhere well, in between. I guess
2: this is the one case where having the lead captain or commander on a stationary station <laughs> <laughs> uh, is sort of a disadvantage for your for your storytelling. Yeah, serial storytelling.
1: Yeah, you could throw it as like, yeah. Well, he's not even a captain yet, so he can't even throw his weight around, right?
2: But the thing guess, is, is, even if the, the problem is, is it interrupts the overall arc, and that's what we like about it so much, if it was just an Alien the Week show still, he could actually have one throwaway line about you know making sure that so-and-so's got it covered there while he goes in 10 seconds yeah. because he's such good friends with his old friend Dex that it means a lot to him. I mean, you could do it. Right. Well, that's the thing. That is- it's so weird that we have this imminent danger back on Deep Space Nine that's like palpable for the first three episodes, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden... You know, she has to go see her pediatrician, so you go along with her, bring a stack of magazines. But
1: they're also like, he's like his super old best friend. But yeah, it's like we're a hybrid somewhere between an episode of the week and like an I mean, I don't know if the show ever becomes more than that. Like, something in between. They still try to do their episode of the week a little bit, but then they have these long arcs that they do. So, yeah. No, I
3: agree. agree. This is a, I mean... It's
1: like a missing link of television. You have to have
3: change of pace episodes. And the idea is probably you want those to be with your peripheral characters, where they can get, like, a leave of absence and then you follow them. But the idea that he took the ship's doctor, (laughs) which makes some sense, but still... He's the doctor of a space station
2: and a... I don't even think he's got a compliment of nurses <laughs> like a regular Starship does. I literally think you have to go to the bar to get patched up if you
1: get hurt issues <laughs> on the uh, Jumjah stick guy is gonna like the rub a Jumjah stick on yes. you. Yes,
3: and say some Bajoran some religious, hoop primitive capability. Bajoran. Mis- uh, so <laughs> it, it it this just for that because we're now in the Dominion as the situation normal here. It's weird because this was the first time where I was like, oh well, why are you doing that? Like that makes no sense. But okay, yeah. And you you True. I get it. It's so that Avery Brooks is in the episode, <laughs> right? You know, but yeah, which was a major complaint we had last season. So I get that they're trying to fix a mistake. It was just it, that part was clumsy.
1: Yep. Then they have like in transit. They've got Cisco in his blue pajamas, and then she shows up in her purple evening gown, nighty. Not Cisco
3: Bashir in his
1: blue pajamas. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I'm bad with names. If y'all haven't noticed, oh, yeah. <laughs> if you've been listening to the podcast, I noticed okay. that Bashir it, is in his purple pajamas, blue pajamas. Yes, and he was <laughs> sleeping,
3: or he was rest reading in his bed. Which brings me to the question, has anyone ever, when they sleep in Star Trek, does anyone ever have a...
1: They don't have covers.
3: Yeah, do they have a blanket or a feather bed or anything? <laughs> like, in future, did we did we evolve beyond needing a comforter?
1: Yeah, apparently not. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, Uh, Riker had sheets on his bed, right? Because he had to change them all the time. Oh,
3: yeah, because... <laughs> 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 uh, oh, that, yeah, that so that you could... could uh. Yes, so you can see his chest hair, (laughs) like the, and then the bedroll, but yes. Yep, I love Riker. This show needs a Riker. Just some <laughs> well,
1: guy. <laughs> that was supposed to be Bashir, right?
3: Oh my God, you're right. It was supposed to be he's Bashir. The
1: anti-Riker. It's <laughs> uh, anyway. Okay. And then finally, in this one at least, he's not the Riker. He doesn't even bother trying to fuck Jadzia. He's right. And, they're, they're and in fact,
3: r- he's further into the friend zone. He They have a sleepover.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
3: Well, actually, th- that relationship stuff, it seemed like a little bit too little too late. Yeah. As far yeah, yeah, yeah
1: but i'll take it compared to what we had before
3: mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean this is the cut this is a certified friend zone. Yeah. Like Bashir lost all hope, right? when she slept in his bunk. <laughs>
1: You're right. like, yeah. I actually
3: got the
2: other feeling. I feel like they the writers could have easily oh, like moved the ball down the field toward romance more organically after this whole yeah. thing. Yeah. But I mean maybe. That's a good I mean, yeah, that's a good point. I I, I tend to think that yeah. if if they wanted to, if they I mean, obviously we know what's gonna happen mm-hmm. with these two characters and their Respective love situations, yeah. and but I mean, I think if they wanted to take it in that direction, this would have been a natural step right. where he actually treated her like a friend and human being. Well, not human being, but you know, person. Yeah, yeah. Rather than just right, I don't know a series of spotted holes, which is how he <laughs> saw her before.
1: <laughs> yeah,
3: this is the way I Riker think, would have seen it. Yeah, <laughs> right. See yeah. him with his Riker. But
1: I'm- no, well, well. Riker's all about consent. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah. No, that's no, 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 his no. thing.
3: R- yeah, R- Riker, Riker's great. But the other
1: thing that bothered me about this episode, they have a nice talk about how she was always afraid of doctors, mm-hmm. and he has a talk about doctors, which, again, I, I don't want to say much about, except that knowing what we know about him in the future, it actually works really well, except the writers still don't know what we know about him in the future. Yeah, that's true. And that's yeah. very cryptic, but that's all I'm going to say. About yeah. it. Maybe, like, he's had a lot of dealings with doctors when he was a kid. Like, oh, doctors know everything. And, okay, that's all I'll say. But then she talks about she's afraid of doctors, and then she's afraid of heights. Like, what is she not afraid of? Because she wants the top bottom bunk instead of the top bunk. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. well
3: um, I actually do. I've watched ahead enough to know that that's actually addressed in a future episode. Her fear of heights. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good. It's a. But okay. You're right. It was just thrown in but here. But she's over
1: her fear of doctors. Like, yes. Yeah. But then they bring up, this is my biggest point of contention with this whole episode, is they can't figure out, trills at all like the they keep talking about what trills are like and the the logic behind symbiosis and everything they can't
3: trills are the worst
1: (laughs) because in this episode they bring up the reason why nobody can be a trill like at first it was in the next generation no no and no
2: whenever they put the trill in riker oh we gotta throw that
3: away because i think that's well that's different because that's 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 early
1: yeah that's too early ds9 trills they can't get the cosmology right or the the ideas behind like in the one she tells this guy from scrooge like hey it's not good you can't you're not a good match and and they don't explain why it's not a good match and then in playing god with arjun she gives the explanation that the reason not everyone is better suited to be a Trill is because if you're not a strong enough personality, then the, Trill will the symbiont will wipe away your own personality and you get ruled over. And that fits in even with the one with the guy from Scrooge. Yeah. So that all. And then so then they rewrite why anyone can't be a joint Trill again. And then in this episode, they could decide again. Oh, wait. No. The reason that not anybody can be a Trill, because if we put it in a bad host, you die. Which is a totally new concept that they just threw in for this one well, episode. Well,
3: but okay, what I don't understand, and I, I, I think Hugh maybe I, they it actually turns out that hundreds, like way more people, like can be joined with the trail than they act like. Yeah, which that's like the party line is, is that a very minimal amount of people can do the trail, but really half of all hosts beyond all hosts right whatever they're which, called whatever they're which is are fine the spotted folks. yeah yeah
1: just, just an unjoined cool. trill
3: yeah yeah like, the, the uh, leopard folk they can take right but that then if everybody can take which is fine yeah I, you're right because
1: then that that even gives a good like the moral question that they set up at the end of it is a very star trek y kind of yeah. do we interfere do we kind of question they ask sure but it only if they'd had three seasons of this being a thing then it would make sense for this th- for the fact that anybody can be a joined trill mm-hmm. or half of them can. It would be a big reveal and like, oh my God, this changes everything. But it doesn't because this is the first time we've learned that not everybody can be a trill. Right.
3: Well, you mean biologically. Biologically. Like medically not able to take the isoboramine transfer bridge, whatever fuck. Right, right. And uh yeah. Okay. So but the problem in this episode is that they gave it they went through the proper channels. They didn't fuck up or anything. They went through the proper channels, but gave the worm to Master Magician Jeff Magnus McBride,
1: <laughs> who's a murderer. Yeah,
3: who was a yeah, who was just a shitty person. <laughs> right, and so then he became a shitty person. Like I don't like the Dax became a shitty person. That's not. I mean, that the flaw was in your fucking vetting system not in the system of the trills right like the right, isoboramine bridge capability right
2: right yeah okay so my problem with the trills is this is not this is never addressed ever is how in the world like from an evolutionary <laughs> oh, that's yeah
1: that that I can hand wave away like we've that, talked about that on episodes I before. know
2: it bothered me okay but this is another brick in the wall and that we find out that these trills when you get into their milk bath with them <laughs> That they could send you a lightning bolt and they could communicate with you.
1: Yes. Okay.
2: So what we have to suppose is somewhere along the evolutionary scale here, a prehistoric trill got into a milk bath with this worm that looks like a brown turd. And it said, they suggested that that maybe that they like put me in your belly and maybe, you know, maybe things would be better. (laughs) <laughs> and, well, and then I, that's how they started this culture. I
1: I mentioned this before in another podcast that I thought the way I thought it was set up, and I don't remember if this is just me making it up or if I actually heard or read this somewhere. It was like somewhere deep in the past, you had the symbiont slugs and the regular trill unjoined. And there was a some sort of devastation to where the slugs were going to die out. And then and so, because maybe because they can do the psychic lightning bolts, they made an agreement to save this other race that they would join with them, and then they found the benefit that they could carry on their lives or have their memories kept. Which that makes sense to me. And the fact that it's not even a evolutionary pure evolution; it's like they had to get technology involved to figure out how to make them work. It's a medical operation to join a trill. It's not just something that happened completely naturally.
2: Right, right. I guess that's what bothers me. If that actually is interesting. And it brings up an interesting analog with like when are we human when like we're in a post-human world, you know, in our next step of our evolution. I mean, there's some interesting things that could be asked if that's in fact the story. But that should be the first thing you say about Trill. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. like how this came to be should be the first thing. And maybe you do a soft reminder.
3: Or it's just some episode where like they have to like where she's telling like some story to little baby trills and it's like their origin you know it's back in the long long ago right yeah trill prime the great or whatever like (laughs) yeah right and then like and they could be still led by the first trill that ever joined they could have kept that trill alive for 40 50 generations and that's still their you know their monarch or whatever right right Just little, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. They get they find Dr. Ren, Renhold, yes, and then she calls her Jadzia. That bothered Jodzia. the shit out of
3: me, Hugh. That bothered... With people... <laughs> yeah, know, that, when, when that was... people a- fuck around with people's names. She called her Jadzia. And at some point, I was like, did they not tell the actress or are Is is Avery...
1: <laughs> yeah, she just read it off the page and like... All right, is Avery Brooks on it? the
3: scene saying, why isn't she calling her Jadzia? Or is Benjamin <laughs> Sisko on the set saying why is she calling her Jadzia?
1: <laughs> you no. Oh, all right, if that's
2: what you want to do. Well, say, th- um, and that's the thing is that she she messed up somebody else's name too. Bashir. She messed up it. Like, I just don't think she could say. Bashir. Yeah, Bashir. <laughs> Dr. Bashir. She she could only say it. Bashir. Oh, I think Dr.
1: Harmon.
3: But, but, but um, yeah, okay, so there, that, that woman bothered me. But okay, so let's just talk about the whole... And
1: then, then they go... Oh, and then, well, and then, yeah, I was just like, we have to get to the Guardians. That's
3: exactly what I was going to talk because about. Then they go. From, we talk yeah. about this, these people? So they're essentially like a Trill fan club, Right.
1: I like the, the guardians.
3: They take care I of. I think they're the, like an order. They're, they're like a, they're like a scientific
2: order.
1: Yeah, they're like monks or something. Yeah, yeah. And, and they
3: take care of just there. Are there trills that have never been joined to a host?
1: All there's most trills have never been joined.
3: No, I'm sorry. That's the whole point Wait, of that. No, the slime, the slugs.
1: Oh well, they. Ha- I thought
3: that the slugs were all in people. Not all the people had slugs in them, but all the slugs were in the people. No.
1: Well, the slugs have to reproduce. Well, my whole thing when they went to the guardians was my the D D brain in me was like, well, first thing I said, hey, look, they reused the cave set again and put a pu- yes. and put a puddle in the middle of it. Yes, uh, yes. yes, they
3: built a <laughs> and sp- some
1: blue. They built a sp- some, blue, some blue gels on their <laughs> fernels <laughs> to, to make it a blue. Co- they co- built a spoon
3: pool. Yes, they did <laughs>
1: on the set. And then it reminded me of like uh, the D D in me. It's like, oh, this is like the that the elder brain would keep mind slayer slugs in before. Yeah, I don't know. Sorry, that's just for me and the D and D nerds out there.
3: But like, okay, so
1: they're psychic aliens with tentacle faces that eat people's brains and live, and they take slugs and put them in people to take over their bodies, which is kind of like whoa,
2: whoa, whoa! Let me ask you real quick. Just so I understand, there are slugs that they have to reproduce with each other, right? Right. So there's slug sex going on.
3: in the sp- yeah.
2: Once you are in a host, your days of slug sex whoa,
3: whoa, is y- Yeah, wait, wait, wait. So the slugs fuck?
2: Yeah, that's what they're, they're those are mating. Well, that's how they make more slugs, right? I
3: thought that they just right, weren't was- making any more slugs. They're at a zero replacement level, sure. like, breeding system. Then they why stay are,
2: lot- are those slugs in the bath?
3: I don't know. Yeah,
1: that no, was yeah. my question. Then you would eventually have, no, they maybe they reproduce very slowly, but they have to reproduce. Otherwise, it's not tenable. Maybe they...
3: Why not? Why wasn't there, let's pick let's, let's let's a random number, let's say 44,000, 4,400. Why isn't there just 4,400 slugs? It was that way four centuries ago, it's that way now, and they, they're still the same ones. They live forever, as long as you keep killing the spotted people. It like, just
2: bothers me that, you have your day in the milk bath, and you're your <laughs> yeah. and, you're, and, you're, and you get to have sex with other slugs and then, then all of a sudden you have like a job, right? You're like human, like these human responsibilities and all your days of slug sex are over for well, like eight hundred years.
3: Not your necessarily eight hundred. You can just adjust until they kill the spotted person. Well again, maybe it's for like you to get out and go have sex. Yeah. And then they put you in a new spotted I don't, person.
2: No, you they have to put you in a new spotted person right away. You don't get you don't get that like you don't get surely. Yeah, after you where did after the, you get out of a if you get
1: out of if a, if a slug's outside of a person after it's been implanted once, well, maybe it could go back to live in the the milk bath. I don't know, but see, if this you're not is all cheated, <laughs> 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 why? Th- maybe so. Wait, my, wait, here's my new theory. Okay, in, in a post-scarcity federation world, which they're part of the federation, you can do whatever the fuck you want. Maybe some slugs would be like, I don't want to be in a Person, that's gross. Let me just swim around in my milk bag.
3: I want to live. They have some autonomy, I can't. (laughs) Wait. So, wait. These are Luddite slugs. (laughs) Right. Who don't want to be a part of your newfangled world order. They want to go back to the. Right.
1: I don't want the. They're like humanoids. Ew, yes. gross! I'm just want to slim in my yeah. in my puddle so, full of milky pumps. They're, they're
3: like a hippie commune of slugs, <laughs> right? Who just go back to the way things were. They don't
2: believe that trail
3: media <laughs> that just <laughs> probably <changed. laughs> Right. Yes. 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 They have an agenda. Mm-hmm. Yes. So okay, because I couldn't figure it out why is there slugs in and the milk. And then
1: middle they part. communicate psychically, and they have psychic people. Well, either either they reproduce in there, and that's where the or the they decide that's they don't so. want to be in people. It's one of those, it, I guess. And the <laughs> fan clubs
3: and the fan club Ooh. treats them like they're prized tetras in their aquarium. Yeah, yeah, I mean these are brilliant, capable slugs. They're not doing anything but swimming. Well,
1: you don't know what kind of psychic. Well, like when Jedzia gets on her um, baptismal dress, <laughs> yes, yes, and gets in to meet Joran. Yes, uh, maybe they're just having all kind of crazy, you know, acid trippy. Kind of psychic yes. journeys that did remind bath. me of.
3: Uh, in, uh, I'm sure it reminded what? all of us of Age of Ultron when Thor had to get into the bath to know where the Infinity Stones came from. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> she was like, "I got to get in the milk bath to like figure out." about that. <laughs> figure out my origins.
1: Oh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Or that's where the uh, hosts come from in Westworld uh,
3: Yes. Um, in fact, re- Rene Echevarria has like this whole like convoluted. I don't know if y- y'all have seen Equus before, right? Either the movie or the. I've read it. Yeah. Well, it's based on the. Yeah, I think I've
2: only read it. Yeah, it's a great play.
3: play. It's a great movie uh, with Richard Burton. Anyway, so at the end of that, when, you know, it's all getting the horse killer, the horse blinder, to a point where he has some sort of like epiphany. And in the play, Peter Schaefer Mm -hmm. actually uses the word. Abriact to be the I don't know what that means psycholo- psychological term to describe the relieving of a trauma which is when he's holding the horse at the end of the play or the movie okay uh, that was what that he based a whole sequence on the Abriact act uh, sequence from, from Equus oh. which is a little a little higher than what they needed to have shot for for this episode yeah but um, yeah but that's where it, yes so uh, and I guess that makes sense so she's yeah so now so, so okay so the okay
1: Bottom line, bottom line. Oh, and and then she runs off with the, the Guardian, and then Bashir and Cisco are like, okay, don't even say bye. They're just like, all right, they just pack up and leave like that. Like, we out. That was weird. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah, they're like, okay, so bye. So the whole... Like, what? Not gonna say, okay, check in later or anything. So bottom like line...
3: Sorry. She was she was having physical physiological catastrophe. She was being killed by a disease. Mm-hmm. And went back to her doctor. It was because of a past life trauma. So she essentially had a PTSD like trauma that was jostled forth thanks to the Casio Batleth
2: guitar oh no no something broke down like a psychic barrier broke down and the personality came through and that was right the- yeah yeah it deteriorated yeah. they put a block and, in and that the music broke down it a shitty block though guys <laughs> it was a shitty
3: block it, <laughs> it lasted yeah. 86 so years
2: they yeah, they, t- they say they're gonna go- they last for
3: 200 but okay 86 years fine <laughs> you gotta put your memory blocks with planned obsolescence right <laughs> so they then you, you, you can't sell them a new memory block like- <laughs> it's
1: like a brain IUD yeah
3: you can't charge their re- you can't recharge their insurance after that no uh so anyway <laughs> she she gets her okay so then that causes all sort of autonomic disruptive things plus like you know she's she's got full ptsd so they figure out what it is they send her to the milk bath master magician john mcbride comes out of the milk bath and she caresses him like the Pieta. And that is... Yeah, I
1: said make out Pieta.
3: (laughs) And that is all over. It's all over.
1: Right. But before then... You have to have Cisco and Bashir figure it out and yeah. approach Renhall about it. And then she makes the whole case, which gets into the good, you know, Star Trek ideas like, oh, what's right and wrong? Like, like, oh, every any Jill can be 50 percent of Trill can be joined and you're lying to everybody. And she's like, no, we have to lie to them If everybody knew that they, because being a joined Trill is such a big honor and everybody wants to be one. If if people knew that fifty percent of people could get one, it would turn these slugs, which are you know organisms with sentient life, it would turn them into a commodity where everybody would be buying and selling them, and it would be wrong. Well, it's a story which is a th- I
2: buy that. Uh, I don't because they're sentient. I mean, you have to. Yeah, but there's you have a, and they have a way to clearly communicate. Yeah, but so they can just say no. You're, we're not property. Well,
1: yeah, but yeah, but
2: when has that worked well for people? It, the infrastructure is already there for them to, to like, cooperate. There was
1: plenty of slaves saying we're not property before this ship,
2: but got, it, but the infrastructure is already there. To like, they're already protected. Well,
1: it is, it is with you, light. Until not everybody can do one. Oh, I know. but would they be if you had mobs of Trump supporters saying we want to be joint Trill and you're gonna let us now? It might things could go bad, and I it makes sense that I don't know. I don't trust the marketplace to correct for the moral choices oh, I, of the mob that I wants, wants to be a joint Trill so much.
2: Right. I, don't,
1: I. But just it's not an Ira Stephen Bear episode. Well, <laughs> the, why can't the they, libertarianism why can't, idea doesn't?
3: Yeah, I mean.
1: It's a mess.
3: It's a mess. You're right. But then lying about the nature of it, like, that's just going to be as disruptive. Would it? it? It
1: hasn't been. It's worked well unless they go and that's tell about really.
3: Like, people have left that program broken
2: people because yeah. they, they washed out. I don't know how, like. Yeah.
3: I got another thing. Like, we were talking about evolutionary natures and stuff like that. So we get to the point where they routinely kill the spotted people, the hosts. They routinely kill them. To save the life of the worm. I assume that they do that with the consent of the spotted person. Oh yeah. So they're at the point now where there is so reverent in their society. They are looked at as so reverent that the people who do it gave up their lives for it. Where evolutionarily, probably somebody is going to say, no, no. Fuck this! Fuck this! Save me! Kill the worm.
1: I don't think, so. well, because they live on in the worm. So why would they do that? Because
3: evolutionarily, we don't want to. die. get
1: immor- They get to well. That that's why you want to live in a worm. <laughs> that's, that's like Kurtz dream almost. It's more organic. Yeah,
3: I still, I, I still think at the end of the day, like the our, our base, our meat, our meat and reptile brains are gonna like want to live. But you're okay. That's fine. I'm saying that they've subligated. They've gotten to the point in this culture where they're they're past that obviously cuz they kill these people like like they're like for what mm-hmm. <laughs> they kill these people if they have low bp so like so th- so they're fine with that as a culture yeah. so then why yeah. can't they just say Hey, like, we're going to make sure the best of the best is going to get the worms. And if you don't, fuck off. That's what they do. You're already a maritime, but they're lying about it to the people. Yeah.
1: Yeah. DS9, if you, I'm not spoiling the future, but that's kind of a theme of DS9 that sometimes people need to be lied to for the greater I, good. I agree with that. It's I agree with that. Like it or not. But I,
3: I just think that you can't have it both ways. They're, they're, you're either in, in their right, you're either vulnerable to a populist worm movement where but worms for the for the real people worms for the 99% not for the 1% and like you know occupy worm street and all of that shit that you're either vulnerable to that or or they're so reverent that the spotted people are willing to lay down their lives to protect the worms I I don't feel like you could have a culture with both
1: and well well Duran Balar even is an example of why you can't just let anybody because he was willing to kill for one that's why they had to Say, wait, you're not a good host because you're a murderer asshole. There'd be, if everybody knew that he was suitable, that's why they had to suppress it. There would be so many more people just like him killing to have a host.
3: I agree. I I think that you're right. I think that, okay, we're probably naming like eight other ways that like other plot tr- trail plots that could be interesting but it is it yeah. is generally... i think we are i think we've worked <laughs> if we're and balling, not... do...
1: yeah. yeah Oh, don't get me wrong i don't think this is a great episode <laughs> yeah. But
3: yeah but so i think that we're
1: just i like the moral question at the end but i hate the lead up because it's just just they haven't been able to decide on the reasoning behind it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Three seasons.
3: No, I agree. That's the problem with the trail is that you do like they are interested. <laughs> they are entered in a very memorable episode between Beverly Crutcher and Riker. Yes, very much so. I, that was a, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a memorable episode. So people carry that with them and then you have this character and then I keep like wanting to sort of like edge a sketch the history to fix it. Yeah. And it, it is, it's just confusing for, for at this point, a character who's really just not, Hooked the people yet? I mean, we all agree she's yeah. still on like and the bottom. Species, it's
2: not this species. Like I'm interested not in more in like the Ferengi are treated.
3: Yeah, exactly. Or the exactly. Klingons are treated. They don't have a they're, they're <laughs> they don't have a caretaker right? No, they don't have an Iris Stephen Bear or a Ronald D Moore. No one's like the Trill person.
1: No, and, nor do they have
3: and they and they ain't getting one. No, but, <laughs> right.
1: Well, part of. Part of the reason is like they don't have as strong. I mean, some people will disagree with us and hey, call in and and tell us why we're wrong. But the Trill don't really have quite the breakout character. Yes.
3: If Richard Picardo um, played a Trill, for whatever if reason. Richard Picardo played a Trill. We would all love that. Yeah, we would love his Trill. Yeah. If Renee Oberginwa a- was playing a Trill, we would have loved. We would be interested in the Trill. These are act actors make the roles. Nimoy made Spock. Yeah. Bo- but, Bosworth.
1: But I will t- um, I the
3: denobilian really- on Enterprise is interesting because that actor is great. And so therefore his race oh, is great. Oh yeah. The, the, yeah, whatever yeah. his name. Flocks. Flocks. Yeah. I've
1: never even seen yes. Enterprise, but, yeah, but Phlox, I love yeah. that guy. So He's
3: because great. that actor brings a lot to that role. And so we're now interested in that race. Terry Farrell sweet as she is, I'm sure she's a great woman. And I, you know, I I I'm sure she's amazing. And I feel bad saying bad things about her but she's not that kind of yeah, act. she's well, not a kind of act, actor that can make a role bigger than it is yeah.
1: No, know? i think i will reiterate, i think she's great in this she's, episode this is her
3: finest performance this, so far
1: don't hate me nerds I, I don't
3: is there yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true but yeah so
2: that's where i think we are you guys want to you guys have any final thoughts before we dive into the great imdb grade I
1: think? Um, oh and then they have like the one the final line <laughs> saying at the end it's like if you want to know who you are It's important to know who you've been. It's like like a bumper sticker. All right, it's very... Yeah. yeah. And then it fades out with her playing her dumb guitar. And, then yep, in the future, music still sucks. (laughs) Yes,
3: yes, yes, yes. (laughs) So
2: you you guys want to guess on where we are on on this? Uh, 6.5. I don't think we're in the sixes anymore. I'll say seven. Uh, We are actually... We're at six point six. Whoa, shit! Yeah, five hundred and sixty-eight people voted, and it was was, 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 that's kind of a that's that's kind of an above average amount of people. Pretty low. Well, I mean, we usually the average is about five hundred and like thirty, and really high is into six hundreds. So to have almost 570 for such a low score, people, I think, really hated this episode. Yes, people showed up to hate on it, yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, or maybe we're in season three, maybe our average is just going to get higher because a lot of people skip the first That's true, yeah. We'll see as we go. Yeah, yeah, that's probably true. That's another possibility.
3: Uh, And next week, guys, we are watching uh, a good one. This is a pretty good one. This is Second Skin, the episode where Kira finds out she possibly is a Cardassian. Oh. So. That's right. Yeah. That is a good one. Things, think, things, it's an interesting episode. So, that's what we got next.
2: All right. All right. Well, thanks again for joining us. Uh, three to Psych!
1: Uh Awkward transition. Great. And here we are in our mailbag segment. We're going to take, we read voicemails the last couple of weeks. We're going to pull it back a little bit and. We're going to go into some old fashioned email messages. Got one for you here. I'll go ahead and read it. Y'all ready to do this? Oh, yeah. Yep. This will be quick. This is from Robert. And Robert says, I am behind on your release schedule. So I am just listening to the episode on The Wire. Yeah. I'm not sure if anyone already wrote in, but I imagine that the episode title is a reference to a common sci-fi trope of having some sort of wire cranial implant that either delivers drugs or virtual reality experiences that users get addicted to. I haven't seen it as much in contemporary sci-fi, but it is popular in older stuff. You know, the Known Space, aka Ringworld series, References the wire directly, while I'm currently reading *All of Hyperion*, and there's a similar word used for some addicts that one of the characters comes upon. So it is probably the writers referencing sci-fi that they heard. The end. Uh,
2: yeah. yeah, I think that the I think mm-hmm. the Ringworld book that he's referencing came out in like 1985. So that definitely predates this run of Star Trek. Yeah,
1: and I've and I've read the Hyperion series. full of Hyperion, and I think I do remember something about that.
2: But it was, yeah, it's a sci-fi trope. When did that come out? Yeah, it's definitely a trope that that they're not afraid to to lift. <laughs> yeah. And I guess is that a thing that people are, are worried about or were worried about <laughs> that you know implants
3: mind implants probably i mean i don't know why they're not now because like i've I've often jokingly but not really jokingly i'm waiting for apple to release their ocular cochlear implant and i would be mm-hmm. i'd be first in line for the second generation you never get them apple first <laughs> generation yeah. but like yeah. uh, the second generation i'd be first in line for i think that like the only the only problem with my phone right now is it's not in my head i want it in my head <laughs> like that that would be like what? i don't know
2: and I think that's a difference between the science fiction that now. What's the gentleman's name that wrote the email? I apologize,
3: Robert. Robert.
2: Robert. Right. Robert, Robert brings up a good point that it's in all the science fiction, but all these characters and these stories have these implants involuntarily put in, and that in reality we would happily spend three hundred dollars on these implants. Oh yes. Oh, yeah. And, and and put them in ourselves. Like I have an Amazon Echo, and so basically I've just invited the NSA to listen to whatever I say at any time yep. and i paid good money for the privilege
3: mm-hmm. yeah so yeah, yeah it's... and basically i mean i, I definitely would want to go through life with a heads-up display so i don't really know why why people don't <laughs> like yeah. but yeah so I, I
1: i ordered some smart glasses through a
3: kickstarter oh really
1: but that don't look like google glass or just they don't do a visual overlay
3: oh you don't have a heads up I want the heads up. I want Twitter. Funny. I want Twitter vaguely off to my left all the time. I don't I, want well, I, maybe. Oh, I would love it. But
1: the, the main thing I don't want is to look like an asshole. That's
3: true. You got to. Everybody's got to do this. Everybody. We all got to yeah. do this. We, yeah. You don't want to be that guy, you know? So, yeah, I,
1: I'm not. I'm not ready to be a gargoyle from Snow Crash or whatever. I'm
3: Yeah, I don't know. I would do it.
1: I'm sure I'm sure those. That's like, oh. I, if I could have my eyeglasses, that look like cool designer eyeglasses with the little visual overlay in mm-hmm. the lens. That'd be one thing. Yeah, but I can't aff- can't afford that. But I can I can get a, a bone condensing speaker thing to
3: get text. That sounds great.
2: Hmm. Well, Robert, thank you for the email, and if anybody else yeah, thank- has any sort of uh, input on you know how the DS9 run connects with sci-fi at large, I you know and and explores or furthers tropes i would we'd be interested in hearing definitely
1: yeah love to hear from you and feel free to leave a voicemail 917-408-3898 all right and yeah we got a very nice email from let's say willow we won't use last names defending uh julian Bashir.
3: All right. Interesting. Yeah. So it's not Dax this no. time.
1: No, no. It's a little should... Okay, should I read the whole the... Yeah,
2: it... read the whole yeah. thing. Yeah, they she took the time to to write the whole thing, so let's let's read, Just yeah, read the whole
1: thing. Yeah, I don't it's going to take a while.
2: <laughs> it's all right. It's all right.
1: You're like, oh, I, I thought maybe I could go through bullet points, but now that I'm in it, and like, wait a minute, maybe I can't. Uh, do go, it
2: cause... goes by faster than you think.
1: Okay, all right, we'll see. And I and I'll cut the <laughs> long voice reading out in case, and just do the bullet points if yeah. it doesn't work. Uh, hey there, I just wanted to share my thoughts on why I love Doctor Bashir. Since you give him such a hard time, I just finished watching DS9, so I tried to separate my thoughts from the end of the show from what we've seen Julian so far, and I'll throw it out right now, that as a woman, I certainly agree with Wade's sister-in-law about Bashir being attractive! Exclamation point. The accent doesn't hurt either. I don't remember if he addressed his appearance in the TNG crossover episode, but I watched the TNG months ago before I started DS9. This was my first impression of the show, and I look forward to watching it next based on the Julian and Data interactions from Birthright Part 1. Sure, he was presumptuous, banging into sickbay to use the computers, but we see how eager he is researching that Gamma Quadrant technology and even more enthusiastic to meet Data and learn about him. I think he comes off as a cute little nerd. Sorry, I'm reading real fast to get through this. Uh, When he first shows up in Emissary, he asks Dax out and has that guy line to Kira about wanting to work in the wilderness. We learn from Dax that he's 27, so I'm guessing if not much has changed for post-secondary education in the 24th century, that he's probably just finished either medical school or Starfleet Academy, whichever comes first. I'm sure doctors still need more schooling than regular officers. In both of those interactions, we get some awkward stuttering from him, like me reading this, and that, and that scene episode later when he is showing off talking about his ex- exam to the girl. Not to mention how awkward when Garrick approaches him. Um, in parentheses, sorry. Um, yeah, so all that underscores is youth, inexperience, except at in school, obviously, and over-eagerness. He's acting more confident than he really is. Again, a cute little awkward nerd. I don't want to defend the way he pursues Dax because that bothered me. This is like halfway through,
2: guys. Okay, We're okay. Go ahead. You keep
1: going. I don't want to defend the way that he pursues Dax because that bothered me. But we do see similar behavior in how he approaches a lot of the crew trying to be friends with him, thinking of Miles and Kira in particular. His pushy approach to making friends also reminded me of some less socially conscious but very smart friends I had in school. And without getting too much into spoilers, if he's putting on a certain face to cover up secrets we learn about him later, it makes sense he would come on too strong. The last thing I wanted to consider is the difference in setting on DS9 from the original series and TNG. The Enterprise is the best ship with the best crew. They're all from Starfleet backgrounds, and they all have nerdy pet projects and get to try new things and are encouraged to be that way. They all have peers who are the same way, but on DS9, we don't have all Starfleet people or a Starfleet setting, and there's lots of shades of gray. I think this is also why Bashir is so likable in the TNG episode, the setting and how he gets on with Data. Again, without getting too much into what you haven't covered yet, I think a case can be made for him being the best doctor <laughs> that we see in a Star Trek show. <laughs> There's a number of diseases and conditions he solves cures. We see that he has a good bedside manner. He's always doing research of some kind. He's the youngest nominee for a prestigious award, even if he doesn't win, etc. I mean, just how good of a doctor do we get to see Bones be? So I rambled a bit there. I sure hope that as we get further into the show that you don't hate him as much. I really enjoyed where they went with his character. Thanks for pr- producing a great podcast. All right. and
2: who And who is that from again? Uh, that
1: was from uh, Willow. What
2: All right. It? Willow. Well, Willow, I think that, you know, we're coming from your perspective, you know, as a woman attracted to men, that it's it's interesting to hear you back up, Wade's sister-in-law, Courtney, and then come from that angle. <laughs> that's I, most it's a
1: lot of people's angle honestly who yeah because, and,
2: and, and i can appreciate that like if that's where you're coming from that's a perspective that we can't speak on so you know that's why we have the mailbag all right what else do we got what's next <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh yeah
1: you got anything james
3: uh no i mean i
1: i i agree like i understand how he's attractive. you know like we, yeah, no,
3: and, yeah. everybody is a different i mean like that's one of the things about like that—not just like little a attractiveness of a character to you, like that I'm attracted to like Benjamin Cisco, and I'm I'm not sexually attracted to. Okay, hey, it's fine, but man. like you, you I can. generally want to give him the benefit, you know, like I want him to like I want I want his character to succeed. I'm bought into his mission and his hopes and desires, and that just never—I know that super never happened for you, Wade, and I, that happened to me less with Bashir than many other characters on the show. And I think that he was just poorly. I, I think the show goes out of its way to make him annoying to me. And I don't know sure. why they were making those decisions in the first couple of seasons. Well, there's no, I like,
1: there's no accounting for taste. Yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and so, and so I think that, that there is some of that there. Yes. There's yeah. many characters um, yeah. on many shows that I give the benefit of the doubt to probably based on. Yeah. In any, in what, every facet of the word. The definition of the word attracted to a character that outside of necessarily what I should be in the moral context of the show. Yeah. Maybe moral the wrong word. In the situational context of the show.
1: Sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, and I didn't actually really mind Bashir until we went back on this rewatch. Like I remember later, mm-hmm. like we thought later, we like him more. Who doesn't? Yeah, I do. Some of us might.
2: I like him later
3: more. I like him more later. Yeah.
2: All right. We'll uh, see. I got my heart. Listen, Willow. I got my heart open to Bashir. Okay. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go in with eyes wide open and an open heart, and we'll see what happens.
1: With eyes wide okay. open. <laughs> um.
2: <laughs> what? All right. Well, for all of us here at the Rules of Acquisition, we'll see you next week. Ready to beam out?
0: Do you know the cunt weasels that run this show have a call in line? where you can express your DS9 wishes and DS9 dreams into their earholes, They will play them on air and try to be nice to you, because one day they hope to sell you blue apron snacks and underwear made out of modal. The number is 917-408-3898 that number again is 917-408-3898. You will probably want to talk about how hot Dax and Bashir are, that is great. These pretentious asses also love it when people say they are wrong. So feel free to do that, James will probably go off on a knowingly obtuse rant about construction issues or political sophistication we know you love that, again 917-408-3898. Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts have more reviews than us on iTunes? Doesn't that piss you off? Please review us on iTunes. We need to feel loved sometimes.